The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Entrepreneur, author, and financial consultant Mark Bernstein helps high-performing entrepreneurial business owners create a vision for the future and follow through on their goals and intentions. Ange Honorato is a business growth strategist who blends psychology and business together to create conscious leaders and business owners who impact the world. Founders Forum is a radio show podcast sharing the real stories behind entrepreneurship as founders discover more about themselves while providing valuable lessons and some fun and entertainment for you. Now, here's Mark and Ange. Good morning, Philadelphia. Good morning, America. Good morning, world, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from at whatever time. And maybe it's good evening. Whatever it is, great. And by the way, we just, on live radio, we just had a St. Jude public service announcement, and Ange and I smiled at each other. It's one of my favorite charities. In fact, I'm playing in their golf outing next Monday. Just looking out the window, we've got a very hazy day in Philadelphia today. So like a lot of the country for the first time, we are experiencing haze from fires from far away, in this case, Canada. Ange and I are both in a mode of not listening to a lot of news. Sometimes it's good to tune that out. So I didn't know what was going on when I drove home yesterday, but I saw this beautiful red sun against a gray sky, took a picture, showed it to Ange, and it's, it was amazing. And then I got home and I realized why it was like that. It was because of that haze. It was a pretty crazy time. It's a hazy day. So as entrepreneurs, we face obstacles every day, and we faced a little one today in that there was a scheduling snafu with our scheduled guest. So we're switching gears real quickly to something that we had on the back burner that we were saving for a day like this, which is I'm going to in- interview Ann John Arado, entrepreneur, and she's going to interview Mark Bernstein entrepreneur. And that's going to be our show today. And I'll just give you a little disclaimer first. We don't really promote our own businesses on the show. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to get hear the fa- the visions of founders and understand their stories and how they got to where they are, whether they're in for-profit business. And we have some nonprofit leaders as well. Uh, and, and it's not really to promote what we do, but we may not be able to help it today when we tell our stories because we're entrepreneurs. So it's my disclaimer for that as we go. So starting with that, Ange, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I guess it's not true that it's always sunny in Philadelphia, right? <laughs> we, we definitely do have, uh, um, and to your, your point, Mark, I've been trying to be on a news detox for the, the last year or so and had no idea that it wasn't just a hazy early summer day that we were dealing with some weather event or some fire event. So but no, glad glad that we have this opportunity to kind of sit down and move our, our seats from sitting next to each other to across the table and, and kind of having a conversation that, um, you know, takes us a little bit deeper, but helps our audience get to know us and the show a little bit deeper as well. By the way, it was almost a purple haze, so I began to know what Jimi Hendrix was talking about way back. Um, so Ange, tell us about tell us a little bit about what you do we we say it in the in the promo for the show but i'm most interested in telling you telling your story in terms of how you got to to the point of what you're doing today yeah absolutely so you know i i say that um you know as a business growth and human capital um consultant strategist who've been doing it almost you know unbelievably 30 years almost at this point 28 or something like that um, but I really do try to look at everything I do as a blend of sort of the the personal and the psychology and personal development into business, right? Because I think 
it's number one, it's important. We're all humans behind the work, whatever it is, the work that we do. And I also think it's really important in today's environment because we're in a generation where this isn't a case where, you know, we come in and leave the personal stuff at the door, come in, do your work for eight hours and then go home and and put a different hat on, right? So today, you know, life is work, work is life, things are blended. And I think it's important to to be able to have that lens, right? To, To kind of talk about the psychology behind individuals and how does that affect affect the business. And also from a business standpoint, um, I work with people and both from an executive search standpoint where I help find executives and place them in the right roles. And then when they're in those roles, help companies understand how do you drive the business in a way that you're making an impact, you're caring for your stakeholders, whether they be internal employees, whether they be your clients or whether they be the community at large, right? And really operationalizing that and paying attention to those things. And, you know, over the years, it's taken on many different forms. You know, I was purely in sort of a recruitment, you know, phase for a number of years and then kind of expanded that out into business operations and helping companies form and run and performance management, you know, operational excellence. And now today it's really kind of combining all of those things in a way where, um, you know, a passion of mine is really bringing this concept of conscious leadership into the into the everyday vernacular and really even taking that a step further, looking at the space that we're in today and saying, you know, we need to really be almost trauma informed and conscious. And that's from a, a corporate standpoint as well as an individual standpoint. So there's a lot of words in there to say a lot of things I do. Some of it's pretty esoteric, but at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, I love working with people behind the business and then helping businesses run more effectively. By the way, interesting, because in my business, the financial field, I was talking to somebody we should discuss uh, in the last week or two who specializes in financial trauma, Mm. um, which is a thing. When I tell my story, I had a little bit of financial trauma when I was in high school that I think influenced ultimately a lot of what I do today. Um, So I'm interested in, Ange, the psychology and business together. Um, Something, my wife's a psychologist, and I know there were things in her life that influenced her to want to go into therapy and become a therapist, et cetera. What happened in your life, you know, that you want to talk about that um, influenced you to to go on that path? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. And, you know, I always tell this story, um, and it sounds kind of funny, and maybe it makes me sound even dated at this point, but I remember being about 13 and sitting in my, my room studying one day for school or something, and um, kept getting these messages, what I would probably today refer to as almost like a download or a sense of knowing that I was meant to be, you know, first of all, I should say both my parents are in the education field. My mother was a teacher. My dad was a superintendent and um, other family members were entrepreneurs, but I had more of a connection to sort of the helping professions, right? So it wasn't really a corporate mindset that I ever had. And when I was a you know preteen or something, um, I got this kind of messaging that, you know, I love to talk, obviously, and I love to be around people. And I kind of just found myself, you, you like know, to talk, I like to talk. Okay. And who knew I'd end up on <laughs> podcasts one day, maybe that was, it wasn't even a thing back then. But who knew, but I kind of did know I got this thing where um, I wanted to be and it sounds really funny now, but I wanted to be Oprah's next Dr. Phil, you know, so if you think Oprah discovered Dr. Phil gave him a platform, and he became America's psychologist not doing one-on-one psychology per se, but being, you know, on stages and really affecting the masses. And I think that also born out of a lot of personal struggles I was going in. And from the time I was about 10, um, I did battle and struggle with an eating disorder. And I went about 10 years without Mm -hmm. it being diagnosed and then went into a pretty intensive program and uh, came out of that and just thought, 
yeah, this is, I need to be in a space of um, not just helping people, but understanding what are some of the things that make us have these kind of struggles, right? And so the goal was to go to school and become a psychologist and uh, went to Rutgers and had an opportunity um, in between graduating from undergrad, um, was working part-time in a corporate office. Um, a very storied 150-year-old German company was opening up doors in, in the U.S., and so I did sales and marketing for them part-time and started working there you know, as a, a full-time job before I even graduated, and something clicked in business. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is, there's so many new things and whatever. And so from there, I ended up not going back to PhD school and kind of went down the corporate role, fell into recruiting and found that to be the perfect marriage of, you know, using psychology and assessment and working deeply with people, but finding this natural way of matchmaking them into an environment, which was a job that would affect them, their families, the businesses. And then around, you know, after 9-11 happened, um, it, I got that itch again. I'm like, I need, I want to continue my education. So instead of PhD school, for example, directly that, I went back uh, and got a degree in what we called social sciences and behavioral assessment and, and was trained as a clinical therapist, but knew I didn't want to hang a shingle. I wanted to kind of really deepen my knowledge and be able to bring that into my corporate work. And so for a number of years, that kind of, that's where I kind of married that, you know, business sense and operations and executive search into a, a broader level, right? And so what started out is me having my own personal struggles and, and having that orientation of a helping profession, but finding a way to bring in concepts and, and things that at the time, I don't think were, yes, there's IO psychologists, industrial organizational psychologists, and, and all of that. And there's a lot of personal development and there's training programs, but the idea of really talking to people about what what drives them, what makes them do what they do, and that does affect their work, right? So that's kind of where it got me today and why the conscious leadership thing is is a term now, I think, that's wrapping all of this up in a nice bow of what I've done the last, you know, 25, 30 years. Can you identify um, one, we asked this question to a lot of our guests, one success that you had, perhaps a business story that, you know, sort of catapulted you to the next level? Do you have anything like that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think as a result of, of 9-11 happening and I had relocated to, to Philadelphia for personal reasons and while every other company in, in the nation was, you know, not hiring and laying off, particularly in the white collar space where I was in executive search, I, I found a company out here that um, was actually really hiring because of new projects they were going on. And it was also... Um, it was a whole new market offering. And so we were, as I say, kind of building the bridge while we we're standing on it. And there was a part of me, and you go back to the psychology, where I didn't feel that I had the strength, the skills yet to really step into managing a number of people. But I kind of allowed myself to raise my hand, put myself in the right positions. And within a matter of a year and a half, with having no previous management experience, I had about 40 people reporting to me. Hmm. And telling myself my whole life I'm a psychology-minded person, I don't do math and finance, to having to run a $3 million P&L and having to figure that out, right? So it was just stepping into the unknown and um, building a support system around me. And, you know, we were a young, hungry company with a, a lot of young, you know, leaders that are still good friends of mine today, and they're all doing amazing things. So I think the success was just taking the leap and jumping in in a time frame where 
as a country, we didn't even know what was going on, right? Right. So that's a great one. How about, can you think of any particular, you know, I hate to use the word, but failure, because, you know, people, failures are steps on the way to success. But um, can you think of anything where it was a real struggle that you ran across that ha- that you learned maybe even more than that you learned from the success? Yeah, absolutely. Well, ironically, as much as I'm, you know, on the people and in the people business and psychology and development is a, is a, and communication is a big thing for me. One of my biggest, I'll say biggest hurdles uh, at one point was on the people side. I had um, some senior leader, a, a particular senior leader that was in, in charge of a number of things. And it was a, a big job that I had. Um, I was brought in to, to run all of operations for a search firm. And um, there was a definitely a personality conflict and, and major, major issues. And normally, I didn't handle them very well. I either cowered down, I kind of walked away from it, I walked around it, and found myself one day realizing that this is on me. If I'm the leader, I need to find a way to take this very difficult, challenging person and allow myself to learn how to have very courageous conversations. And that was my own personal development because it's something that was my own, I don't want to call it a weakness, what I now know, that was my own minimum standard. It was my own self-imposed glass ceiling that I was too afraid that I didn't have the right skill sets and sat down one day and said, you know what, let's have a conversation human to human, heart to heart. Let me understand what's making this so uncomfortable for you. Why are you so unhappy here? And why are, why are these things a stumbling block? And do you know, it worked out so well that she'd been in business for like 35 years at that point. And I got to really understand what was going on with her and the pressures behind the work and in her home and in her personal life. And she had a disabled son that was in his 20s and he was not doing well. And there was, she was the primary breadwinner and just all kinds of things. And understanding and having that human to human contact completely changed the game, changed her, changed me, changed the whole dynamic of the whole business and the whole team. So it was a failure at first. It turned into one of my greatest successes. That's great. So I imagine that your background as a psychologist and as a counselor helped you from that perspective but maybe you just didn't know you had it there in in the business world and you had to connect with that part of your brain. Yeah, well, I think the other important thing too, Mark, and you hear this a lot of helping professions, a lot of times we go into helping professions because we're trying to avoid what we don't want to deal with in ourselves, right? It's so much easier to... Or it's a way to deal with it. Right, almost unconsciously to... And I think that's what's happening to me now. I think what's happening to people in all kinds of businesses is we're trying to become, we need to become more conscious and we need to do our own internal shadow work because that's how we become better people, leaders, family members, business owners, entrepreneurs. It's it's about not running away, but diving into those those deeper issues. Well, interesting you say that, because I've been thinking about this. I know some people, as you do in the woo-woo world, you know, like spiritual healers and people like that, mm-hmm. that um, have been predicting a shift for a long time. And they kept saying, it's happening this year, it's happening this year. But, you know, shifts mm-hmm. don't happen like that. They happen over time. But it occurs to me now, in hindsight, the pandemic really was the turning point. And it seems like there's an awakening, you know, for lack of a better word, all over the place, that people are waking up to what it is, they, how they want to live their lives, what they really want to do with their lives, um, how they want their relationships to be. It's a very, a very interesting and, I think, opportunistic time, and it's time for a break. 
Establishing a self-directed Roth IRA or other self-directed retirement plan offers access to investment options usually only available to well-connected or wealthy individuals. Anyone can build wealth and achieve tax-free income for life and financial freedom without the inordinate risk of speculative investing, securities trading, exotic financial instruments, or hoping for the best from the stock market. Since their start in 2003, CAMA Plan has come to be synonymous with expertise, flexibility, responsiveness, and diversity in investment choices. They provide innovative investment opportunities for investors seeking direct control and more choices in how they deploy their investment capital. CAMA Plan doesn't just make it possible to invest in alternative assets, they also teach investors how to put their money to work. Take the road to financial freedom today. Go to camaplan.com slash here we are again on Founders Forum, and now it's time to turn the tables. So I'll turn it over to Ange. Yeah, so Mark, this is, well, first of all, I just want to say this is fun. This is really fun. Is I mean, fun. I love having guests in the studio, but being able to, um, as we were talking offline, you know, kind of free form and flow and, and really kind of, yeah, I think sometimes we all get lost in the why do we do what we do, right? So with that, I mean, I think that's a great starting point. You know, I, I know that we were also talking off air. I know that, you know, your background, you love sports, you love music, you've done a lot of different things. But let us understand, you know, the story of Mark, you know, how did sitting in this seat today, what are some of the key factors and what were some of the inspirations that, that led you to, to go down the path that you have? Well, so I was much more of a music guy than a sports guy, especially as a kid. Sports is more a later interest to a certain extent. But um, was always creative. I went to art school when I was a kid when, uh, until I realized, and I, I quit when I realized I about 11, or 11 years old when all the kids were playing football on Saturdays and I was in art school that I needed to get out more a little bit, I think. But... But I, um, you know, I was always artistically oriented. I ended up um, going to school for music. I have a degree in music um, in composition. And I knew that that was not necessarily going to be a career. I didn't, um, you know, I, I didn't intend to teach music. And somewhere around when I was in, um, when I was in at the University of Delaware in an English literature class, I remember being inspired that there because everyone always told me I should be a lawyer because I argued well. It was another way of saying you're <laughs> argumentative. So I, so I always thought about that in the back of my mind, and it occurred to me that there must be lawyers who represent musicians, um, and I didn't know about it. I didn't know there were entertainment lawyers. I didn't know anything about it. started looking into it, and I decided that was going to be my career path, and it was for a little bit. But So I, I ended up going to law school, and with the idea of becoming an entertainment lawyer. So I went to the Ohio State University College of Law, and I ended up visiting NYU in the last year because they had entertainment law and copyright courses and because I was in New York, and there's a lot of music going on at that time in New York. It still is. And um, And I pursued that path. And it was an interesting, you were referencing, we were talking before, and you referenced it, obtusely a little bit, the left brain, right brain connection, music and math, math, music. I actually think they're very closely connected. And 
I practiced law. I discovered I didn't really love the music industry as much as I thought I would. I love music. I still do. I'm still active in it, but I didn't, I didn't really love what I saw in the business at that time. It was a particularly stressful time for the business. And I started thinking about what I was going to do next. And I have a brother who was in the life insurance industry, and the life insurance industry was sort of pioneering the new financial service, financial planning industry. And when I heard financial planner, that just resonated with me because as a lawyer, I felt I wanted to um, help other people. You know, I had a similar thing to you where I wanted to be in a helping profession. But the experience I had as a lawyer, I didn't really seem to be doing that. I seemed to be talking to other lawyers all day long, negotiating. I'd done all kinds of different legal work, some litigation while I was becoming that entertainment lawyer. And I felt like, um, you know, to a certain extent, you're trained to gum up the works a little bit to create billing sometimes in the legal industry. Of course, not all lawyers are like that, but but it was it's there, and I, it didn't resonate with me. And when I heard about this field, I thought, wow, that's what I really wanted to be. So I interviewed with this company that um, they were interviewing attorneys to become financial planners, and they would not hire me. I failed the test because it was a marketing test, and they wanted me now at my age with all my connections. They didn't want me at 29 years old with no connections, basically, which is what I had then. So I took a, a, a wayward path. I won't go through the whole thing now, pursuing that, and eventually worked for a regional firm where I helped create the financial planning um, initiative, um, going from a, a product sales organization into a process. And my thing has always been I want to have the process of understanding what people want for their lives and that's the only thing that should influence what they end up doing in terms of ultimately the investments they buy or the um, whatever products they buy or however they create their financial plan. The other things should come first. So fast forward many years, I've written a book, as you know, called The Fiscal Therapy Solution. And I really think of what we do as a form of therapy. And what our goal is, and we've created a new company called March, and I have three part, really uh, five partners that were all aligned in terms of doing what's best for the client based on what it is they really want. And the foundation of that is being able to get deep with people and not really understanding them like a little bit like we're doing today. We're scratching the surface today, understanding who somebody is, what drives them, especially our clients are primarily entrepreneurs. They're almost all business owners. And most of them, I would say, are founders of companies. And which is what why I'm so interested in, in doing the show. But because they're founders and entrepreneurs, they can pretty much do what they want. You know, they can pretty much go in the directions they want, want to do. And we help them think that through, or what they want, because it's surprising how many people have businesses and they're running on automatic, but they really haven't thought about necessarily their exit strategy or what comes next in life. I talk in the book about um, you know, do you really want to retire or do you want to aspire or do you want to refire or do you want to, what is it you want to do going forward? But I find most people when their business is their whole life, um, it, you know, they're not just going to stop and just, you know, retire and play golf and go to Florida and that's the end of the story. Um, some do, but most of the people I work with tend to not want to do that. Another thing that I'll just mention real quickly that influenced me that was my financial trauma, I guess, was, you know, we were talking about fires today, and it was a fire. My father, um, and it's in the book, um, at the early part of the book, I was a senior in high school, 
and we found out that his business was on fire. It was in a building that uh, arson was set to another business in the building, spread throughout the building. He was in the greeting card business, so what wasn't destroyed by fire was destroyed by uh, water and smoke. So since it's a smoky day today, we're talking about that. And, you know, it changed my thoughts about where I was going to college the next year. It changed my thoughts about what I want to do. And I never thought consciously about it till much later. But I realized the idea, and then the, uh, the part of the story that really influenced me was he was really upset that he hadn't renewed his insurance and he was underinsured. And he really had to, deep, deep, and he almost left the business and took a job, went out, was going to move to um, Kansas City to take a job. That's where some of the major greeting card companies are. And really thought about it and then said, nope, I'm not doing that. He never really worked for anybody for any length of time in his life, always worked for himself and had to triple the size of the business just to afford his new rent and all the stuff that he had to do. So I think the protection element, which is one of the bases of, of financial planning, um, I think I started on that side of the business partly because of that experience, but I never really connected that together till much later. So we've, I've become, we've become what we call financial advocates, advocates for financial responsibility, making sure, sure you want to do all these things, but make sure what you have is protected, preserve your wealth, you know, manage your wealth and create your legacy that you'd like to do. And that's, that's pretty much my story. And that's where we are today. Yeah. You know, it's uh, we have so many commonalities, uh, Mark, but it's interesting and sad uh, as well. But I also have a connection and a personal story to a fire. My house burned down uh, and in my late twenties and um, you know, I, it's like your worst fear. I pulled up to it and the whole neighborhood was there and, and all of that. And you don't realize how you just get in survival mode and you just move forward. But same thing. I found out many years later that that affected me. My fear of losing money also translated into, I'm afraid to make too much because what if I lose too much? Right. right. So these are the psychology right. things right. that kind of get tied in together. So right. fascinating stories. And I'm, I'm really glad we had the chance to deal with our scheduling snafu today. This was fun. By the way, on psychology, we have another minute or so left. There's a great book out there, The Psychology of Money. I'm forgetting the Mm -hmm. author's name right now. But um, I had, it was actually recommended to me by a client who, when we got into his story, and he's got, he's been extremely, extremely successful, um, has more than money he can manage. But I kind of, I said, what kind of things keep you up at night? And he said, well, it bothers me that I don't like to order the sides in restaurants. I don't like to pay $11 for asparagus or whatever it is. <laughs> and and we went on and we joke a lot about it, but it was a real thing. He now orders the sides because we've talked it through a lot. But, but uh, you know, you, know you, you never know what's on people's minds and what's influenced them. And it has to do with how they grew up and the, and the imprints that they have and all those kind of things. So. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, one last plug for another great book called The Illusion of Money by Kyle Cease speaks exactly to that. The relationship with money. So hopefully Excellent. folks will check it out. Well, I enjoyed telling you my story. I more more Same. enjoyed hearing your story. And um, next week we'll resume with another one of our founders. We've got some exciting um, guests coming up. And I uh, hope you all enjoy this hazy day if you're listening live. And wherever you are, I hope you're having a wonderful, beautiful day. And uh, a great tomorrow.
We hope you enjoyed your time with Founders Forum today and you found value to take with you throughout your day. Join us again next week for another episode of Founders Forum on WWDB Talk Radio and always at the Founders Forum show page at WWDBAM.com.